Hello and welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio with your host Mark Chatterton. My guest tonight is Jacqueline Ekman from the United States who is currently visiting Britain where she will be leading some workshops on past life regression and soul journeys. She is a spiritual teacher and has travelled widely throughout the world, at one time working for the United States Diplomatic Corps. More recently, she has written about her experiences in a past life as Saint Veronica, the cousin of Jesus. These experiences have been told as eyewitness accounts through the eyes of Saint Veronica in three books, with the latest about what happened to the followers of Jesus after his ascension, which is about to be published. Jacqueline has also written several other spiritually based books and has recently been travelling in both Greece and Egypt. So a warm welcome to you, Jacqueline. Thank you, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, I'll start with my first question, going back to to you when you were a child, because I understand that from a very early age you knew you were psychic. Could you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you and what you experienced as a young girl? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I, I had no concept of what a psychic was, so I would never, as a child, have would have put any kind of um, framework around my experiences. I only realized early on that these were things not to be talked about with other people. I grew up in a, a pretty conservative area in the middle of the United States, um, in the state of Minnesota, uh, right on the Mississippi River, and I, from a, my earliest memories, um, was very aware of the nature kingdom, of the David kingdom, and uh, the trees would, and I would actually literally hold conversations. They were my mentors, I guess you could say, and uh, I used to um, be able to tell people's Futures. I, I I didn't think of it even in those terms. I would just look at someone and know what was going to be happening with them. And as I said, I learned pretty quickly not to tell people things um, because either they thought I was a pretty strange child or that there was something wrong with me. So uh, I would scare them um, when the thing that I spoke about would actually come through. So at a certain age, especially when I, I entered my teens, I realized I did not want to do that anymore, and I shut it down, um, which was a very painful experience for me. So there was um, about a 10-year period from, say, the age of 14 or 15 to 25 when I put that entirely out of my life, and uh, but then it came back uh, resoundingly at about the age of 25. So what happened then when you were 25? Did you have a big spiritual experience of, of sorts? I did. I did. I, I was going through actually a divorce, um, a short-lived marriage that was very painful. And so I was out walking on a mountaintop in northern California. In a, uh, it was an early spring day. And I laid down in the tall grasses out of the wind to feel the sun on me, and I went into this visionary state sort of spontaneously. I had no concept of inviting anything, um, but it just came uh, like, like, like a thunderbolt. Um, and what happened in that particular experience is I saw all of my past lives, and I saw all of my future in this life, and it just was this unfolding panorama 
that I, it just overwhelmed me. I, I knew what I was seeing, but I was sort of paralyzed under it, if, if you could imagine that. And uh, when I finished, when this experience finished and I got up, I was very, very, very shaken. And uh, much of it of, of it, of course, has been withdrawn from my conscious access. I mean, there would be no point in, in walking around overloaded in that manner. Um, but some of it has remained with me, and, and certainly a lot of it has come back since then to me. But it changed my life entirely. Yeah, and as a result of that, I understand you travelled widely all around the world. Oh, I have. Uh, you know, I, I actually started travelling a few years before that, and um, I've, I've been pretty much a non-stop traveller ever since. I've I've probably been, the last time I counted, in 80 countries and lived in for longer periods of time in different countries, and I've visited all of the U.S. states, every 50 states, yeah. all 50 states, and so the, that that has kind of, I, I suppose, coincided with the continuing spiritual unfoldment because what happens when I touch the earth of all these places where I have lived throughout you know, my long history, and we all have these long histories, I'm not the only one by any means, um, it's just that I, I have begun to remember all of these past lives where, as most people haven't yet done so. But when I've traveled and visited these places the memories come back to me pretty spontaneously right i was going to say that i understand you you were invited to join the united states government diplomatic corps how did that come about and what sort of country where did you visit and what what was that involved as a job well, being a traveler, I realized that it would be very useful to me to have a job that would allow me to be in other countries and, and get paid for it um, instead of simply out traveling spending money. And so the, in the U.S., um, once a year, an exam is offered in most of the universities, and it's for the U.S. Diplomatic Corps. And every year, somewhere between fifty and 60,000 people take the written exam. And so I did it as sort of a fluke, actually. Um, I, I really never saw myself working for the government or anything quite so bureaucratic as that, but uh, especially at the time, um, since I was sort of politically leftist. And uh, I passed the exam, and it just surprised me. I didn't really think about it, um, what I would do if I passed it. But then there's a, um, an all-day oral exam that follows Excuse me. And once that is um, passed, then they put you on a list and eventually offer you a position. So I was a cultural attaché in Rio de Janeiro and Tokyo, Japan, and Lisbon, Portugal. So I did that for 12 years. And it, it was a, an interesting experience. It was actually a wonderful job. But it was... Uh, sometimes extraordinarily challenging because I had up until that time lived a really kind of alternative lifestyle and taught many spiritual classes, including yoga and tai chi and, and you know, the Alice Bailey works and things like that. So suddenly to be in this world that would not allow for... It, it, it wasn't as though I could not say anything about it, but it was simply not understood. So I found myself once again going into that kind of um, inner world, having to pull everything back in. 
And um, after 12 years, I realized that there were all these books inside of me that were pretty much demanding that I give them space to come out. And I didn't have time to do that in the government. We worked, you know, 60-hour weeks. It was very demanding. So I left. I resigned. And um, that's, um, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years ago now, the late 90s. And uh, I've been writing ever since. And teaching, of course, but yeah, mostly yeah. writing. And you you said earlier that you, you reckon you'd been to about 80 different countries. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, you've been to ver- various sacred sites around the world, and you've also learned a lot about other spiritual traditions. Is there any one place in the world that you would like best of all, or would you say that there's so many different places they've all got hold something special to you? Well, the latter is, is, is closer to the truth for me. Um, there are countries that I resonate with more than other countries, not necessarily that I like them better. Um, India is, is just such a magical spot, and I've probably spent about a year and a half there altogether um, over different trips, and I, it just is the most astounding place um, and endlessly fascinating and uh, extraordinarily difficult at the same time. Um, Thailand is is a wonderful place. I I lived in Thailand. I did my senior year in university there as well, and I love the country. And um, in the Western Hemisphere, Guatemala is a very special place to me. Um, A a lot of these places I do have memories of having incarnated in before, and um, and they may be countries where I've had, by and large, more positive experiences, which may be part of the resonance now. I don't know if that's true or not, because I have memories of other countries where I've had very painful experiences and may not necessarily enjoy going back there because, you know, the memories are, are stimulated very strongly when I'm there. Yeah, yeah. It actually brings me on to the next question, which I was going to ask you about past life regression, because you've mm-hmm. obviously been involved and experienced it for quite a few years now. Could you explain to our listeners what actually happens when you undergo past life regression? Well, most of my personal experiences, have uh, memories, um, have been spontaneous. Um, I, but I also sometimes um, have put myself into what the, would be experienced by somebody being uh, regressed by a professional uh, past life regressionist. And um, I have only twice been actually formally regressed by someone else. So my experiences may be unique in that regard, and I will talk about those in a moment. Um, at the same time, I have uh, taken many people through a regression experience as a regressionist myself, you know, so they can come back to their memories. And I do that almost always when somebody is at a place in their lives where they're very stuck um, or where they're fearful. They don't necessarily come to me as a regressionist. They'll come to me as a healer, and that's just one of the modalities that I will offer. Now, a past life regression, uh, I think most people do something similar when they take people, um, when they regress people. 
and that is you help them to go into um, a deep sort of meditative space, and um, frankly, anybody can do this, even people who think they cannot meditate. When somebody else is guiding them, it's, it's often much easier. You just take them through guided imagery and um, using a modulated voice that will be very soothing to them, perhaps, and uh, allowing them to release any kind of resistance they have to it and to um, develop uh, an instant kind of trusting rapport with the regressionist so that if they have fears, they can sort of drop away and get out of the way. What we're doing basically is um, kind of a, a hypnotism, I suppose, but not in the ordinary sense of the word. But taking people into a deeper level of consciousness where all memory resides for all of us. And in the process, these people, each person will then be able to make some level of soul contact. And that's what's really critical about it. The regressionist doesn't actually do much of anything except help the person undergoing the regression um, make connection with their own soul. Because that soul overshadowing is really important to help the person know what it is it's important for them to know. Because if if you, for example, had incarnated, I mean, I'm just throwing out a wild number here, 200 times, you know, over your entire soul history. You know, some say 2,000, some say, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, you don't want a whole collage of that sort of opening up and bearing down on you. That would be worse than useful or worse than useless, <laughs> rather. Um, what you want is for that soul overshadowing to determine what is necessary for them or helpful for them to see, to know, to learn at that moment in time that will help them progress. And once that contact is made, most often people will suddenly, um, they, they often will compare it to kind of a, a waking dream state. They'll have visuals. They'll have um, maybe an intuitive sense. Maybe they'll hear people speaking. And for everybody, it's different of that particular past life that they are accessing. And the regression therapist um, will help them through guided questions, suggestions, to determine from what they're seeing what is useful for them to know. Okay. Because uh, obviously you're quite well known for the Veronica books. Um, is it right that you've completed the third one or is that about to be I'm not published? finished with the third. You, no, you're not that, quite that ready was, yet. No. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons, uh, the main reason I was drawn to come to Greece. Um, I, I arrived there Christmas night and I just left there, oh, four days ago, I guess. So I was there nearly two months. Um, I wanted to go to Greece because part of the book that I, I'm writing, the third book, takes place with um, the one we know as St. Paul, where yeah. Veronica was traveling with Paul through Greece and Turkey. I was in Turkey not that long ago as well. So I've been able to touch down into both the, the, Greece soil, the Greek soil and the Turkish soil to help stimulate the memories for that book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the, the third book in particular is a very complex 
story because even though it's Veronica's story, Veronica traveled in the first part of the book or the first part of the post-crucifixion time of Jesus or Yeshua of Nazareth um, with Thomas to India. So I also was in India not that long ago. And um, so the first part of the book will be taking place or takes place in India. The second part of the book is in uh, Greece and Turkey primarily. Um, And the third part of the book will be here in Britain um, because Veronica does come up here for a time. And the fourth part of the book will be in southern France where she lives out the remainder of her life, actually the last Oh, 30 years or so of her life. Veronica lived quite quite a long time yeah. for that period. So that's why I went to Greece. And um, each part of the, every time I go to one of these places, I I think before I go there that I've remembered a lot. And but boy, I just my feet touch the earth, and all these details come back to me um, in, in, in the most visceral, real way, as though I were Veronica right now. Yeah. And uh, for, the, for the good and the bad of that, because <laughs> those <laughs> were very difficult, painful times often. Could you explain how it was in the first place that you realized that you were Veronica in a previous life? What, what were the circumstances that led you to um, realizing this? Yes, um, it, 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 when I think back on it now, it was a complete surprise to me. I, I, I've been on a spiritual path for a long time, but it had nothing to do really with Christianity, even though I was brought up in a church in, you know, the United States, but I never had a sense of connection to it. So my whole spiritual focus was on Hinduism, Buddhism, and sort of Native American shamanism. It was kind of a motley mix of all of that. So I was traveling, well, there's a very long story. I'll tell the the short story if I can here. Um, But I I was traveling through Europe on my way to Bosnia, and I stopped off in Rome, and I was just looking on Rome as being a touristic kind of experience. I, I really did not think of that as being part of my pilgrimage at all. And I, I went to the Vatican. I hadn't been there in years. And um, walking around St. Peter's Basilica and up in the upper kind of cupola area, and there was nobody around me at the moment. And I walked by a little uh, silver or bronze plaque, and I don't even remember it. I don't remember knowing at the time what the plaque said, but I suddenly felt like I was hit with lightning. And it it, it just shook me from head to toe, and and I I was weeping uncontrollably. I had no idea what was going on with me, and I'd forgotten entirely where I was. I just knew there were a few people around, and I I hoped I wouldn't do something crazy. (laughs) But I had no control over it, and... When that started to subside, I opened my eyes and saw that plaque again, and I saw the name St. Veronica, and I, having been brought up Lutheran, I didn't even know any of the saints. I had no idea who she was. All I knew was, through my tears, I was saying, I, I was that person. I was that person. Who is she? What's going on? And so I tried to research it, and there is afterwards, of course, and um, found almost nothing on her, but immediately the memories started to, it's like pulling a cork out of a bottle. The memories started to rise up. And uh, for a time, I, I couldn't make sense of it. 
and uh, eventually I began to understand that uh, this person, Veronica, was Jesus' um, cousin, one of many cousins. You know, these were extended families, and there were many cousins he had. He had many brothers and sisters, too. But And, and I started to see um, so many details of my life, of Veronica's life, of his life. And sometime after that, I don't remember, it could have been a year, maybe longer, uh, Jesus came to me in a, a visionary, meditative kind of state, a high state, and asked me to write a book. And I, I, I balked at that, even though I'd been writing. I, I still was kind of um, nervous about the whole Christian connection. I don't know why, but I was. And uh, eventually I agreed and started writing a book. And after about 100 pages, I was out in the desert, the high desert in the U.S., and walking by myself. And um, he came to me again and said, well, thank you very much. I'm glad you're doing this, but that's not what I had in mind, because I was writing his story. Hmm. And he said, no, I want you to write your story. And, And I thought, well, who would want to read that? And he said, no, that's what I want. He said, you can talk about me all you want, but... Um, without you writing your story, there's no point. So I, I went back and started again, and that evolved. I thought there would be one book, and now there are three, and I do believe the third will be the last. Um, but the first book is called The Lost Years. Well, it's Veronica, The Lost Years of Jesus, and uh, it is about the, the, the lost years, the years that are not talked about in the Bible, from his age 13 when he went off on his own to the age of 30 when he began his public ministry. So the book covers two stories that kind of weave together his travels through Asia, Persia, Egypt, you know, and and Veronica's story and the other women. He was insistent that the women's story be told. He said without that his story had no meaning. It was incomplete, and it was it totally missed the mark. And until people understood the role that the women in his life played in his work, they could not understand him and what he came here to teach. So that's what the story is. Um, the women studied with the same great teachers, as he did, went to some of the same mystery schools, um, covered some of the same physical territory and travels, and uh, stood with him, and this would be the second book now, stood with him during his teaching years, the three, you know, public years of his Mm -hmm. ministry, and worked with him, taught with him, did healing work with him. And when he was on the cross, stood with him and held the energy and created the energetic vortex of energy that allowed him to do what he needed to do to rebuild his physical body that, you know, died um, on that cross into a body of light and allowed him to come back in a resurrected state. He he is adamant that without that, he could not have accomplished this. Right. 
And so that is the second book, which is called Veronica, Eyewitness to the Ministry of Jesus. These are very esoteric books. They're, they're, they're not traditional, but they're very respectful yeah, of the yeah. traditional beliefs of people. And then the third book, as we started out talking, has to do with the, the post-crucifixion period. Because I know you've had some very positive reviews of the books on Amazon. Have you had any sort of opposition from any sort of orthodox Christian groups or anything like that at all? Not yet. I'm waiting. Yet. You're just waiting for it, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I first started writing the first book, I, I had a dream not long into the writing that I was receiving death threats from fundamentalist Christians, and I woke up that morning pretty shaken. Hmm. And I because it was very real. It wasn't you know a metaphorical dream. It seemed very literal. And I I woke up thinking, oh really? Do I have to go through this? And and basically I just felt this this downpouring of strength, saying it, there there were no words with this. Hmm. Just but but my interpretation of what I was receiving in that was. If it should come to that, you will be strong enough, and I'll be here with you. So I've never really given thought to that afterwards. No, no. Um, and, and, and should it happen, so be it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm not really into high drama in that level, and I'm not going to worry about things that don't exist yet. Right, okay. Um, apart from the Veronica series, you've also written several other books, including the Children of the Light series, which I understand is about um, ancient Atlantis. Uh, That's you right, and, is that and right? I yeah. haven't gotten those published. They're just sitting here waiting for me to get back to them. Right. Um, what was your question? I'm sorry. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about, about those books or the background to those books. Well, um, they are also recovered memories. Right. And um, many years ago, I, I don't know what that means now, how many years ago, um, I met a man, and uh, an American man, and who's uh, actually a Hawaiian shaman, and um, and we sort of looked at each other, and both of us instantly had recall of the other one, which turned out to be in this particular lifetime in Atlantis, and um, the first the first image that came, the first visionary sort of flash that came to both of us was. Um, a very traumatic experience, which is what starts the series of books off. And that is um, basically the final um, thinking of Atlantis, if you will, um, because uh, there were various periods of time where Atlantis had traumatic physical um, earthquakes and tsunamis and that sort of thing. But this particular period, um, or event rather, was really the end. I mean, the absolute end. And 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 our first visionary um, sort of co-vision that we had together. Um, and and I, I, we had just met each other, mind you. So it was pretty um, unusual, a pretty unusual experience. Was us lifting up off the physical earth in a small capsule, and watching, you know, our beloved land fall beneath the sea. And, and just the utter horror and shock of it. 
And it was quite a number of years, at least a decade after that. I mean, I, 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 I just simply never went back to that vision. It was just so overwhelming, I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. About a decade later, I think it was, um, I sort of turned my attention back there, back to it, and, and the story unfolded, which is often the way it happens with me. As though I were watching a movie, except I'm in it and I'm emotionally involved with it. Mm. And so I saw maybe the 30-day 30 30 period prior to that final sinking. <clears throat> Sorry. And, and basically what happens after that? What happens when most of humanity is destroyed? Um, how did we come back? How did we, as as the human race, rebuild? How how did that happen? Um, and so I know that certain groups of people were lifted up, if you will, and taken off, and we were put into what was described to me as a state of abeyance. And I, that's hard to describe because there's really no physical language, um, or I don't have any language for it in shorthand right now to give to you what that means, but we were taken into abeyance until the earth settled, and how long a period that was, I don't know, 30 days, another month or something. And then we were set down into different geographic areas around the world. Some went to Egypt. Um, This is not that story. Some went to, you know, what is now the Gobi Desert. Um, Some came to... um, Britain, actually, even though it looked different then than it does now. And I went to what is now more or less Guatemala, I and a number of other people. And um, in where I was, there was a small indigenous population, not highly sophisticated like our own was, and that we had to learn how to work together and to rebuild Um from the ground up, literally from the ground up. And that's what the two two books in the Children of the Light series are about, primarily, is how we rebuilt. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, uh, you know, we were, we were highly trained people. I was a shuttle captain, and, you know... Um, my my husband was uh, what would be sort of the equivalent of a physicist. And, I mean, we were all highly trained. We didn't know how to survive on that level. And so we became, I became, my name was Alora then, um, basically a shaman, um, a medicine woman. And uh, the rebuilding process was long and difficult and um, actually quite lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds very interesting. Um, Obviously, we've got to move on now. But yes, yes. Back back to the present. Um, Mm. I understand you've you've just been in Greece for a few months and Turkey, and before that, Egypt. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that from your experiences recently that you would like to share with our listeners that you've experienced in those places at all? Well, the time in in. Greece, oh my goodness, yes, there's, there's probably a lot I could say, but um, the time in Greece, I, I was in Athens for about five weeks, and, um, you know, Paul and Veronica spent a good deal of time in Greece, in Athens, and um, sometimes, uh, sometime on the islands, uh, some of the islands, 
But in Athens, it was very interesting, and it was wonderful having such a long period of time to to slowly get to know the place. Um, I'd been there before a couple of times, but this was different. I, I, I found, I'd be out walking on the Acropolis or on the side of the Acropolis, and I would see a little alcove, you know, in, in the rocks, not quite a cave, but I remembered going in there as Veronica after a, a day with Paul that was very intense. I and mean, he was a very intense man to begin with, but, you know, with the crowds um, sort of swarming about us or pressing in against us and, and and Veronica would then go off and escape into this little quiet alcove and, and to just actually physically now go into that place myself and to feel her energy there and feel what she felt and what a you know, sense of relief there was um in the quiet and and peace of the place. I mean just little things like that were were extraordinary to me to experience now on this visit. And of course, there were the bigger experiences too of standing up at you know different points and um, Paul speaking and, and gathering crowds about him, and then you know suddenly he would turn and sort of push me out, Veronica, that is, up in front of the crowd and and disappear himself, and I I would be stuck there, you know, with all these strange people looking at me and and start to speak about um, the teachings of Jesus. Okay. After all, that was what we were there for. Yeah. And um, and to try to more diplomatically than Paul did perhaps um, show how that makes sense to them or would make sense to them, integrating it into their kind of basic belief system that they already held. You know, whereas Paul would stand up and say, "Okay, you've got to give up all your beliefs and do this," and Veronica would stand and say, "Well, you know, these two systems work together." Um, <laughs> You know, that Yeshua or Jesus talked about, he never spoke against any system. Um, he never said that people's beliefs were wrong. He would say, well, consider this, or have you thought about this, or maybe, you know, this might help you understand your life better. And so that was more the tack Veronica would take. Um, that was just wonderful being in Greece and, and totally reliving that. The island of Patmos, I had a lot of great experiences there as well, memories and from that lifetime and, and another one as well, which came unexpectedly to me. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. I mean, Egypt was much the same. I went to the same, Veronica went to the same mystery school in Alexandria as Jesus did. And uh, the energies are still there. The physical structures are gone, of course, and the country is very different, even before current you know, circumstances at the moment. But uh, Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, obviously, since you were in Egypt a few months ago, it's all changed, and the, there's so much going on in the Arab world at the moment with Libya mm. and Bahrain. What do you make of all that? I, I feel very hopeful about it, but also a, a little bit fearful because I understand, you know, the the impulse that is moving through those people, through those lands, um, that that is really brought people together and helped them move into this this 
this great period of um, it's crisis and 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 possibility all at the same time. It, I mean, the cultures there, the political culture has been very rigid in all of those countries, and this has been brewing under the surface for not just you know decades, but hundreds of years for them to rise up into their power and take over you know not just their countries but take over their own lives and um and really express what they're here to do as as individual and and uh you know as individuals um on a soul level but it's it's oh my goodness um taking the you know letting the genie out of the bottle is a big what if um, anything could happen right now. I'm surprised it happened as quickly after we were there because there was no f- physical sign of this, of course, in September um, and October. But it, it, one could feel this building for a long time. Um, I've been in Egypt before as well, and it's been building for decades, um, really almost since Mubarak came in. Um and of course, he came into power um, on on the heels of the assassination of the president, um, for which he, for whom he was vice president, Anwar Sadat. Um, so the country has been going through a lot of turmoil for quite a long period of time. Um, but I th- I think this is incredibly important and and a, a terribly important part of human evolution that the people in this this part of the world are able to come into their own and be given power, whether they use it well or not use it well, is uh, remains to be seen. But it has to happen. It just has to happen for evolution to take place. And do you have any particularly particular views about the future of the world, especially with the year 2012? Do you have any particular viewpoint about that at all? Well, oh my goodness, I I definitely know that we are on the verge of something extraordinary and that 2012 is just maybe the central mark, you know, uh, the high high water mark on on this time period that we're going through of great shift. And 2012 is really, as as people have been saying for a long period of time, the end of the world as we know it. And but what does that mean? What are we creating out of it? Really, what's happening in the in the Middle East right now is a microcosm of that. That all of us, planet wide, are in the process of great great transformation, and and there's enormous unlimited potential in that. But there is, um, there are a lot of mm, sort of sand pits, you know, that we might stumble through or stumble into along the way. So 2012, yes, is going to be um, something entirely new that is is being launched. But what it is, we are already in the process of creating. We just can't see it that clearly yet. And every one of us is a is a part of that um, creative process. Every single person on this planet is. Every one of us has dreams and, and hopes and, and that we are trying to find a way to meld those into something that works together. That is my vision, my dream, the, the people in Egypt, the people 
in in you know Thailand right now or southern India or Russia. We're all going through great transformation, and how do we do this together? Because it won't work if we do it separately. It just simply won't work. We've got to find a way to, um, each in our own way, go through this transformational process, but then to come together and to weave ourselves together into a unified whole. We are evolving together. That's the only way it can happen, especially in this age, especially after 2012. The, the, The potential is just awesome. That's very interesting. Thank you, Jacqueline. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, just quickly mention, can we just mention that you're going to be doing a, a talk in London and also a workshop, um, both in March. Uh, the first one is on Monday, the 7th of March. And I believe that's a talk about your past life regression experiences as Veronica. Right, that will focus more specifically on, on Veronica's past, but not just the books. Um, the books are being written not so much ultimately as a story about Veronica and Jesus. That is the background, that's the foundation, that's the theme that will tie into all of us now. You know, how how do those teachings relate to us today? How does what Jesus, as as one of many of the great masters, um, how does what he came to teach us then um, help us in our world today? There was a great period of shift 2,000 years ago as well. And what can we learn from that to help us through this shift that we've just been talking about today? Um, how does remembering one's past lives help us individually? How does it help you, for example, um, to remember what you have done and what you have uh, probably learned or not learned in the past um, teach you about how to live your life today? How will it help you go through this shift? And then how does this, um, because we all evolve not just independently, we evolve as soul groups as well. How does this help us work with our own particular soul group? How do we find out who they are? And and in finding out who they are, how can we work with them? How do we work together? And, And in what way does this elevate humanity? In what way does this transform the earth? So, you know, I will talk about both the microcosm of the books and my personal experience and then help people see how it applies to them. So it won't be just an abstract, you know, sort of interesting story about someone 2,000 years ago. How is it relative, uh, relevant now? Right. Okay. And then on Saturday, the 19th mm-hmm. of March, you're mm-hmm. taking part in a workshop um, called Karma to Dharma, <laughs> also in London, but it's not just you. Right. It'll be with Stephanie Bell and Neil Shaw. And they are, the two of them, more um, professionally known as, as regression therapists, among other things. And so what we will do is weave their backgrounds in with my own and um, help. It's a full-day workshop. And it will be an experiential kind of workshop. So we will be talking about our respective um, approaches and our own methodologies for doing things, but um, taking the people who are participating in the workshops 
through uh, perhaps a group regression. Um, there'll be many different kinds of um, uh, ways that they can experience this for themselves and learn how to apply what that means into their daily lives. If somebody is, is sort of stuck um, in their life because there's a, an unexplainable fear, for example, or, or a problematic relationships, um, we can help them go back through these kinds of you know, past life um, connections to help them understand it and move beyond it. And um, it, it just, it's, it's, it's a really powerful tool for people to learn how to live their lives in the here and now. As well as, of course, you know, finding out what sorts of interesting things they may or may not done or have done in the past. Because, you know, we're, we're all such composite, composite souls that we are not simply who we see in the mirror each morning. We are so vastly much more than that. And the whole process of human evolution is, is just so incredibly rich and deep and and far more interesting than people realize. Right. Well, thank you very much, Jacqueline, for all that you've said today, and wish you well for the time that you've got in Britain over the next few weeks. And um, we'll put all the details on the website of, of the talks and, and obviously of your website, and wish you well for the future. So no, thank, thank you, you very much. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you, Mark. Right. Thank you very much then, Jacqueline. All right.